what we've been trying to make, my partner and I, is just a very simple GIS tool that allows uh, users to very simply source data through open data portals across the world and then make a map from it in just a few minutes. And we've incorporated um, elements such as moving uh, the GIS tool online, so it's a web-based platform, as well as um, 3D elements as well. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today, I'm lucky enough to be talking to Rebecca, and Rebecca comes to us from a company called Maple Precision, and this is where her and her co-founder are really working on lowering the barriers to entry to first finding and displaying geospatial data, and then creating incredible visuals from that data. Just before we dive into the interview, I want to tell you about the first ever interview I did. It was with a company called Hive Mapper. That's Hive as in Beehive Mapper. And full disclosure, they have become sponsors of this podcast, so you will be hearing a little bit more about them over the coming weeks. But the reason I reached out to them and did that initial interview with them was because the software, the platform they built, is really interesting. They've built a platform that allows you to upload video footage, and this footage could come in a variety, from a variety of different sensors. It doesn't necessarily have to be vertically looking down on, on a geographic area. It could be shot from the side. And when you upload it to the platform, the software automatically attempts to build a really detailed 3D map based on this video footage and automatically georeference it. It also combines it with any other available data in the area, so geospatial data in the area. Now there's a whole bunch of applications for this. Uh, I think it's a really interesting idea and I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about Hive Mapper as the weeks progress. Okay, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview with me. It's much appreciated, and I realize it's early in the morning in Canada where you are, so I appreciate it even more. You are, you're doing something really interesting, at least in my mind. You've created some software that's going to sort of remove a lot of the barriers to entry in terms of geodata visualization. But before we jump into all that, I'd really like it if you could give the listeners a, a brief background. Where, where did you come from? How did you get into this, this space? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, I graduated from environmental engineering at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada in around 2012. And since that time, I've been working as a consulting engineer for a couple different firms. Um, I started off working as a junior municipal designer. And in that role, I was basically supporting the design of things like storm sewers, stormwater ponds, um, anything related to stormwater management in cities. And after about uh, three or four years working in that role, I changed and started working with a smaller, more niche water resources firm that did a lot of work related to creek restoration. So, um, for example, creeks that had been channelized in concrete um, decades ago and the material is starting to deteriorate and we would go in there and suggest a design to restore the creek to its natural condition, take out the concrete um, and yeah just improve the conditions overall. So that's kind of my background, a lot of work related to design in the water resources field. So not that I'm an expert in the space at all, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like the kind of industry that is a big sort of user of, of GIS software, at least. I could imagine you ingest a lot of GIS data into perhaps the CAD software you're using, but is that the case? Is it mostly CAD, where you come from, and consulting engineering? 
Yeah, that's definitely the tool that we rely on most of the time. So most civil engineering departments would have a pretty strong CAD department. Um, and it's possible that they would also have a few GIS staff as well. But my experience um, in, in those two roles was that uh, we, we didn't have GIS staff. And when we needed, uh, you know, information, for example, for our hydrology study, um, I would have to go through another department in the organization um, rather than being able to access those tools directly. Yeah, so just in general, for myself at least, I've had very limited training on GIS tools, but I've had to work with GIS data quite a bit. Um, so really the extent of it has been sourcing it and moving it into a format that I understand a little bit better, such as uh, AutoCAD. And this, of course, is a great lead into the, the, the solution that you're building, that, that Maple Precision is building. And you're in this with a co-founder, I believe. Maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about the solution you're building and the problem you're solving. Sure, yeah. So um, a couple of years back, I just started to think a little bit more about this problem and, and realized that, uh, you know, it, it's a bit unfortunate that uh, organizations such as civil engineering firms, most of their work really relies on spatial data, but in terms of direct access to that information, it's usually only a handful of staff at the company that are able to look at that information directly, either using you know GIS software, CAD software, whatever it is. So I really felt strongly that in my work, I wanted to have you know better access to that inf information to be able to interact with it in some way before it went to the CAD technicians or the GIS technicians. So what we've been trying to make, my partner and I, is just a very simple GIS tool that allows uh, users to very simply source data through open data portals across the world and then make a map from it in just a few minutes. And we've incorporated um, elements such as moving uh, the GIS tool online, so it's a web-based platform, as well as um, 3D elements as well. So I guess the argument you've probably heard before is, why do we need this? Like, I, don't get me wrong, I completely understand the idea of removing those barriers to entry and the importance of visualizing um, GIS or geospatial data. But we have things like Google Earth, for example. Why, well, why should we use your software instead of something like Google Earth I should just go back a step and say, so these firms, consulting firms, they typically win work through a competitive bidding process. And what that looks like is um, preparing a proposal, which basically explains how well you understand the site. So for example, it could be uh, a bridge construction. So you would describe how well you understand the conditions that are there, and then you would um, propose a work plan for that actual project and come up with a cost estimate. So a proposal is basically the equivalent of a marketing investment for these companies because they don't know if they're going to win the work or not. So at that point of time, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to bring in a staff member like a GIS person or a CAD technician to, um, you know, source data or make a map for that proposal because these staff members are really expected to be working on projects that pay the bills for the company. So they're usually expected to have pretty high billable targets. But without pulling in these staff members, it can be really hard for project managers who are running the proposal to find relevant information about the site. So there could be a ton of great data out there. So for that bridge example, there could be information about storm sewers, um, sanitary sewers, water main, uh, creek conditions, 
contours, topography, and so on, but they just don't have the tools or the skills or the time to really access it at that, at that stage. So what we're proposing is that in using the software that we've developed, a project manager or a department manager who's working on that proposal can access that really high quality geospatial information um, to characterize their site in more detail and to scope the work plan uh, more appropriately and potentially even scope the cost of their proposal. Uh, we really hope that by including more information about uh, the geography of the area and what's there and scoping the proposal and maybe even including a high quality map that's been designed using our platform, that uh, these companies can, can stand out from the competition in their proposal submission and really showcase how much they know to the potential client. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So if I think about the, the barriers to entry to using perhaps uh, more traditional GIS software to, to make these kind of proposals, I think about things like there's a whole bunch of unconsolidated and inconsistently formatted data out there. I think about things uh, like licensing, uh, the price of entry, and I think about the, the technical understanding you need to have to, to work with a lot of the software. Uh, so Exactly. You've explained uh, it much better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I... I I hear people like you that are coming into the industry or have been there for a while and they see a specific problem and they're creating a specific piece of software for that problem. And I, I really think that's interesting. We're sort of getting away from that one size fits all understanding of how we, how we do things in the geospatial industry and we're sort of fragmenting it more and specializing in different areas of it. Yeah, perhaps like I could see that, um, yeah, being a trend for sure. So another thing I noticed about you and your company is is your co-founder. Uh, he comes from the gaming industry, and um, I'm assuming he brings a lot of sort of experience in terms of building online digital worlds, and the, the gaming industry seems to be really focused on those web-based products. Uh, why was it, well, why is it an advantage for you to have someone like that on the team? Like, what, what is it that the gaming industry can teach the, the geospatial world about uh geodata and about visualizing data yeah i think it's been it's been amazing to have patrick on the team he really brings um, a lot to the table he's worked for about 15 years in, in hardware and software design and as you said a lot of that experience has been in free game development as well so this is an industry that's really figured out how to stream high quality data very quickly over the web, web and very efficiently. So that is something that he brings to this product. Um, also just in terms of uh, usability and uh, designing it to be simple enough that, uh, you know, with just a few, few minutes of playing around in the application, you should be able to understand how to work in 3D, how to move around that environment in a way that, that makes sense and how to do something that's pretty cool. I think probably what some people will hear when when they listen to this is like, oh, another tool I have to learn. You're telling me that it's it's very easy to use, it's it's easy to understand, and you can quickly produce these cartographic outputs. Have you had any pushback from the industry or say, well, we're already drowning in tools at the moment. We've already got all these tools and we can do everything, maybe not as good, but in these more traditional uh, GIS software. What, what is the industry saying to you uh, about your, your product? Yeah, so just to, to speak to that point a little bit, like we we really rely uh, quite heavily on on Google Earth in the industry, as you as you mentioned earlier, just being able to quickly visualize what the site looks like based on satellite imagery. Um, project managers, 
engineers are really familiar with using that tool and I would say they really enjoy using it. So first and foremost, we've, we've designed an experience that's very similar to Google Earth in terms of how you would interact with the map because we, we do want to make it very straightforward for people um, to, to find data in our platform first and foremost. And uh, in terms of pushback, so I have presented in a few offices uh, recently, and usually before I get into the office, I'm, I'm telling them, you know, it, it's simple, you can use it, you can do these things in just a few minutes. And I have found that uh, the people I'm speaking to, you know, they, they feel doubtful, they're not really sure if, if they could actually make a map in five minutes. But once I show them, a video of how you would actually use it and I walk them through the process, um, I've changed their mind so far and, and they're convinced that it's something that they can use. I guess my next question there is what are the, the what, what does the in-house GIS guy or girl say when you present them with this product? Yeah, they, they definitely, there, there is a bit of pushback for sure because these are processes that companies have already um, figured out in one way or another. But uh, at the end of the day, just going back to the original intent and mission of this platform is just to keep the company working as efficiently as possible in terms of, um, you know, allowing those GIS staff members who are, who are supposed to be working on project work that is potentially more interesting than, than putting together a proposal to continue working on those projects, those long-term projects and those things that are perhaps more complex than, than what I'm proposing that they would do in our platform, which is simply source great information when you're pulling together a proposal for a new, for a new project. I guess the reason why I was asking that question was, and it's not a critique of you at all, it's more sort of getting at that point that um, perhaps these people are, are used to being the gatekeepers, right? They're used to being the ones in control and they have their standards and they have a, um, a known way of producing cartographic output, for example. And you're coming along and you're saying, hey, there's a new way now. The industry has moved on. Now we can do it in lots of different ways. And I was just sort of interested to hear what the, what the feedback what was, what was like from, from that group. The reality is that um, people that don't have direct access to geographic data are using very interesting workarounds when they need to make quick maps. You know, there, there are times when, as I've described the proposal aspect, but also just, you know, for reports or quick meetings, when um, people at these organizations will choose to just make a map themselves because they, they don't have time to wait or um, you know they just need to get something on paper and move on. So what I've seen is that uh, it is quite common to take a screenshot from Google Earth and to mark it up in PowerPoint or using other similar workarounds just to get something out because um, they need it done. And, and I think every GIS, every cartographer out there will cringe when, when you hear that, when, when, you, when they hear you say that. But this is the reality. You know, people are doing things that work for them. And I think it, it's up to us, the people that have the information, the people that understand how how the data works and how to present it. And we create tools for so everyone can be involved, right? In the pre-interview, we, we talked about how much data is out there that has a geospatial component, but how limited people are in terms of the access to it. And I think that's why in the industry, we're seeing more and more people like you show up saying, hey, there's a better way. We're going to do this thing here. And it's, it's just for, for this segment of people here, maybe. And it's going to give more people access to it. 
Yeah, I would say we're, we're just trying to empower another group of people in the organization to make um, better decisions based on this data before it gets to the people that really know what they're doing with it. You know, when data comes into a consulting company, usually it comes through the project manager as the gatekeeper. And, um, you know, just for the project manager to be able to open up, open up the files and say, okay, what is this and what do I want to do with it before they go and, and um, you know, move on to the next step. I think it's a, a really powerful decision-making tool for people that have historically not had great access to that information. When I think about the software that you're building, this tool that you that you have built, and I think about the, tri- the 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 kinds of problems you're trying to solve with it, it sounds like a, a very, it sounds like it's really heavily based on visualization, um, and, and this is not typical in in the GIS world at least. We we obviously we make maps, we have cartographic output, but a lot of times people are very focused on reports and that sort of analytical output. Why have you decided to focus so heavily on on visualization? Yeah, the visualization piece is extremely important to us. And uh, to be completely honest, I, I started from the same place as, as what you're describing, where, you know, you're focused very heavily on the report piece. And when we thought about how we could make use of this amazing data, um, my first thought was, you know, we need to create maps for print, basically maps to be included in proposals that look really awesome, but basically something that could be printed out at the end of the day or put into a report. But when we were when we were trying to decide what the, the basic features were for our application, I, I got a lot of pushback on that from Patrick. Um, he felt very strongly that um, you know having this this 3D experience where you can move around the map um, just ending in a form that is, you know, for print single frame was not good enough. So he felt very strongly that he he needed to integrate some additional components into our map that provide a better experience for the user when they move about that 3D world. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. But I feel like we're, we've jumped over a step in the conversation here. Um, firstly, it's probably important to say that uh, Patrick, he comes from a, the, the gaming world. So he's used to work, working with with digital worlds for, for the gaming industry. But I think too, like we, we talked about moving around the map and I know that you have a rendering portion to it. I know you have some video things going on there. Can you say a little bit more about how you're moving around the map and, and the 3D side of things? Yeah, for sure. So Understanding 3D information when, when you're moving about, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But as soon as, as I said, you render to a report, all of a sudden you lose, you lose some of that perspective. So um, building in a tool to capture video from the data can really add that piece back to it. It can show, it can show depth. It can give you a better experience of motion um, just by adding something as simple as shadow to the data. Um, provides you know a more immersive experience where you can gain a lot of understanding from your surroundings without you know doing much work. So when you talk about adding shadow and 3D data and video capture, I'm assuming we're, we're talking about making some kind of animations. Is that correct? Like zooming around a, a scene and looking at it from different sides. Is that the kind of output we're, we're talking about creating from your tool? Yes, exactly. So being able to create animations and specifically um, we're moving towards animations for PowerPoint. Slide transitions, for example, being able to um, capture motion and identify features while transitioning between slides and between points in a, in a presentation. 
I think this is a really interesting concept because we started off talking about making maps for print, making maps for reports, and, and now we've moved onto a whole other side of things. And this is really interesting for a couple of reasons for me. Firstly, because it's happening on a web-based platform. I think that that's really cool in itself. And secondly, because it, it seems to, you've recognized that need for really great animation to be able to tell a story in a different way and give people an immersive experience in a map and I think I think it's brilliant it sounds really exciting yeah just to kind of step back a little bit too we we know that there's a lot of engineering firms now in the space that we're working in competing trying to find different ways to to stand out so this is one way that we feel really strongly firms can you know up up their game in terms of presentation material you know establishing a strong a strong brand and a strong presence at the proposal stage, but also when they're working with clients and when they're working with the public and when they're demonstrating their work. And I think, again, like visualization is is really the core of, of what you're trying to do here. You're trying to tell a story. At, le at least that's the way I feel about it. And I can see so many more possibilities using animation than I can trying to uh, use, use flat maps and, and PDF maps. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's all about the story and having that story linked to the landscape. Oftentimes when we're explaining conditions on a site or we, we're identifying issues or constraints, um, you know, we want to move to one place uh, to another and describe what's going on there. And in, in capturing this video and in moving it into PowerPoint, we can do that in a really efficient way that just provides so much more information at the end of the day. I realize this might be a little bit of a difficult question for you to answer, but Patrick coming from the gaming industry where he's used to building these 3D worlds and, and rendering them in a browser and delivering to many thousands of people uh, across the world, that's a whole other industry. But there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of crossover. We're, we're dealing with uh, geographic data, whether it's made up data in, in terms of these 3D worlds or real data in terms of the physical world. But can you see any other sort of crossovers or any other things we might learn from the gaming industry? Personally, when, when, I, when I talk about these things with Patrick and when I look at what's going on around us, one thing that I get really excited about is the potential to use augmented reality out in the real world. So really providing the, the next sort of level of immersive experience to civil engineers and people who rely on this information. Um, there's so many times I can think back to my, my experience in the office and just being presented with, you know, flat map, contours, whatever it is. And, you know, you have an understanding of what's going on on the site, but um, you, you lose so much, like the steepness of the slope, what the banks actually look like, um, where that pipe is in, in context with all of the other infrastructure in the scene. Being able to, you know, step into that world in some way uh, using, you know, augmented reality tools could be a huge asset from the understanding perspective. But then also when you're out in the field, you know, just being able to locate these things more efficiently. Is, do you think this is the new standard? Are we getting away from flat maps entirely? Are we only interested in these more sort of realistic renderings of the world in terms of delivering that message? Say, okay, the project is going to be here and it's going to look like this at different angles. Is, that, is, is this where, where the industry is heading? That's a good question. Um, I would say for civil engineers, it's uh, extremely important to be able to visualize the site quickly and understand what's out there and what's there. So um, definitely it's something that, that I would appreciate and I think other colleagues of mine um, find extremely useful as well. 
Yeah, I, I could really imagine that because I think that uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to explain something or they're trying to tell a story. We're going to start with this. We're going to go through these phases. And at the end, it's going to look like this. So you're trying to sell an idea and a journey to people. And I could really see how visualizations would help with that, and especially ones that, that represent the world in, in such a realistic way. I've just got a few final questions for you before we, before we say goodbye. And one of them is, okay, so you've built the, you've built this piece of software and it's working and you've been out in the, in the world and you've had some feedback on it and you, you seem to have a really clear understanding of who your target audience is and what the problem you're, you're solving for them with, with the software. But if I could give you a magic wand and you could wave it and tomorrow you could have a new feature in your software that was completely bug-free and just worked, what would it be and, and why would it be important to have it? Yeah, that's a great question. One thing that uh, is part of our long-term vision for this platform is the ability to collaborate on the map in real time um, from the field to the office. So being able to integrate with uh, devices such as GPS units when you have field stuff in the field um, and to have that information um, streaming to the map in real time, I think would be really awesome. Yeah, and incredibly useful, I think, as well, in terms of like a, a one-stop shop. So everything happens here on the map in real time and is, is visualized so people can, can see it and understand what's happening. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we, we touched on a little bit before. We talked about the um, your co-founder's background in the gaming industry. Uh, is there anything specific he brings with him from the gaming industry in terms of user experience or understanding of how people stream data or how people interact with, with these digital worlds that, that you have in, in your system that you don't see in others? I would say uh, at this point, it's really just um, in terms of the optimized streaming of data process. So we're pulling in large massive data sets in some cases of LIDAR or 3D data, and just being able to render that information in the browser uh, very quickly is something that uh, I feel really proud of in our platform. Rebecca, I really want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk to me today. It's much appreciated. But before I let you go, I just want to give you the opportunity to let the listeners know where they can go to learn more about you and, and follow along in your, with your work. Sure, yeah, they can um, look us up. Our company is called Maple Precision, and you can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, as well as our website, which is maplecision.com. Thanks again, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So right at the start of this episode, I talked really briefly about our new sponsor, a company called Hive Mapper. That's Hive as in Beehive Mapper. And I explained a little bit about what they do. So they've created this platform that lets you upload video footage and they automatically create these 3D geospatial maps based on the video footage, which is really cool in itself. But you can imagine if you ran this process a couple of times, so collected data over the same area a couple of times, all of a sudden you'd have these different geospatial layers and you could start to do some really interesting analysis based on that. Well, HiveMapper makes this really easy for you and they have really detailed change detection algorithms and it's, it's set up in a very intuitive way. It's, it's a really interesting thing that they're doing there. It's a really interesting platform and if you are interested, I, I would encourage you to go along to HiveMapper, so Hive is in beehivemapper.com slash change detection and, and check it out for yourself. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and I want to thank you again this week for tuning in. It's much appreciated. If you'd like to reach out to me for whatever reason on social media, you'll find some useful links in the show notes. That's it from me. We'll talk again next week. Bye.